world can change, and yet what remains unchanging is our God and the gospel. And we need to be killing sin regardless of what's going on in the world in our lives, right? And so we have been looking at how to do that. And we've gone through these processes of acknowledging the spiritual battle, accepting the ground rules, putting your past where it belongs, behind you, under the blood, focusing on God's purpose. We heard it from Tim this morning, transformed into the image of Christ, living the crucified life of no and reckoning and yielding that what took place in our baptism is real of us. We're dead to sin, but alive to God. And then replace, put off the old man and his ways of thinking and living and put on the new man who is made alive in the image of Christ and renew our minds in that. But that raises a question still that we need to address this morning, and it's this. How in the world do I do this? How is this possible? And the answer is, the Father gives the Spirit. He gives the Spirit, who is so designated the Holy Spirit. You won't be holy without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given by the Father to apply in us what Christ has accomplished for us. And that's so important. The Spirit, the Father, desires to save and to sanctify. He sends the Son to accomplish that which we cannot accomplish for ourselves. And then the Father and the Son send the Spirit to apply what Christ has done for us. He applies it in us. And a great way of summarizing that that I like, and I didn't come up with it, Apostle Paul did, the Holy Spirit did, keep in step with the Spirit. So that's what we want to look at. We want to keep in step with the Spirit. And if we do, the Holy Spirit will enable us to kill sin and live holy. So two questions this morning. Why keep in step with the Spirit? And two how do we keep in step of the, with the Spirit? So, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to me, with me to John 14, 16. John 14, 16. And we're going to see why keep in step with the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is is our helper. Look at John 14, 16. Now, I would encourage you to read John 14, 15, 16, 17. The Upper Room Discourse is a beautiful teaching on who the Holy Spirit and why He's been given. But let's just look at verse 16. Well, let's do 15. 15 and 16. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, wow. Okay, that's being obedient. That's being holy. Keep my commandments. Well, how am I going to do that? I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. If you mark up your Bible, circle another helper, that He may be with you forever. So why keep in step with the Spirit? 
According to John 14, 16, according to Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit is our helper, our helper. But what does that word mean? Well, I'll be honest with you. That Greek word has so much meaning and so much fullness that no one single English word really captures all the fullness of that word. It can mean comforter, one who comforts. It can mean supporter. It can mean advocate, one who stands by your side to defend you. And its essence is helper. Here's how John uh, J.I. Packer puts it. The, the Holy Spirit is the counselor or paraclete. The Greek word is paraclete. Um, and it means one who gives support. And he's a helper, an advisor, a strengthener, an encourager, an ally. I like that. And an advocate. And the word another attached to it points to the fact that Jesus was the first helper, the first paraclete, okay? And he is promising a replacement who, after he is gone, will carry on the teaching and testimony that he started. In fact, look at verses, um, verses six, chapter 16. Turn over to chapter 16 and look at verses 6 and 7 to get a, a little bit of this. Verse 6 of chapter 16. But because I have said these things to you, your sorrow has filled your heart. I'm going away. You're sad. Verse 7. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, the word picture that I have always enjoyed is the, the idea of the helper the supporter, the giver of aid. It's like when you're carrying a heavy load, right? You're picking up a heavy load and it's too heavy for you to carry. And someone comes alongside you and helps you lift that up. That's the picture of the Holy Spirit. We're struggling to live the Christian life. It's impossible. It's too much for us. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside and he helps and he has the strength to lift and to carry and to enable us to fulfill and become more like Christ. Here's again what Packer says. He says, witnessing to Jesus Christ, glorifying him by showing his disciples who and what Jesus is, and making them aware of what they are in him is the central ministry of the Holy Spirit. I love that. The Holy Spirit shows us who Christ is, what he's done for us, the crucified life. But he also shows us who we are in Christ. So he does a work of pointing us to Christ and revealing to us who we are in Christ. Packer goes on and he says, the spirit enlightens, he regenerates, he leads us into holiness, he transforms us, he gives us assurance, and he gifts us for ministry. And then he says this, all God's work in us, touching our hearts, our character, and our conduct is done by the Holy Spirit. There's no aspect of your life that the Holy Spirit does not penetrate and does not come alongside and help you 
to become more like Christ. A couple uh, summaries of that that I have in your notes. The Spirit dwells in us to do in and through us what we cannot do in and through ourselves. The Spirit does in and through us what we cannot do. The Spirit dwells in us to keep God's promises to us, but also to help us keep our promises to God. It's a beautiful helper. The Spirit dwells in us to give us a new heart for pleasing God. When you're born again, and we talk about having a new heart, it's because the Holy Spirit, you can't have a new heart without the indwelling Holy Spirit, and you can't have the indwelling Holy Spirit without having a new heart, a new heart for God, a new ability to obey God's commands, and not just obey them, but to obey them because you want to. An eagerness, a thirstiness, a hunger to know God is given to us by the Holy Spirit. And here's the bottom line. Without His help, without His help, we can never do three things. One, we can never overcome our stubborn sin habit. You simply, everything that I've taught up to this is vitally important and is biblical truth. But that biblical truth that we have taught now for six weeks will not be a reality without the Holy Spirit actively working. Turn your Bibles to Galatians 5.16. Galatians 5.16. And just see how important the Holy Spirit is to overcoming and killing sin. Notice 5.16, it says this, But I say, walk in the Spirit. And then comes an unbelievable promise. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. I don't think it can be said any clearer and plainer. You will carry out your fleshly desires unless you do what? Keep in step with the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. And notice he goes on. Why is this? For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So, as a born-again Christian, you desire to please God. But the flesh is there. The flesh in us is always fighting against it. I mean, don't you find that? I love God's Word. And I struggle every day to be in it. And, you know, if you've conquered that and it's just an easy thing for you, I am happy for you. Okay? I may be sinfully jealous of you, but that's not how it is in my life. I love the Word of God. I plan to be in the Word of God. I do get into the Word of God, but it is a flesh. The flesh in me struggles. And unless I walk in the Spirit, I will not do that which I want to do. It's just that simple. So this isn't, you know, this isn't an option. This isn't just something for charismatics. This isn't just for certain people that are, you know, A.W. Tozer or Dwight Moody or some, uh, you know, Elizabeth Elliot, some super saint. 
No, this is how we need to live. He goes on and he says this, verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. So what's the idea there? Well, not only if you're led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, you won't do the things of the flesh, but you also don't have to be under a set of legalistic rules. Why? Because the Spirit enables you to do that which God wants you to do without having to struggle in the flesh to obey a set of do's and don'ts. Now, rules are not bad. I hope as a parent you have rules. Uh, We as a church, there's rules for church membership. The the Bible has God-ordained rules and commands, but how do you fulfill them? Is it in the power of the flesh trying harder and harder? Or is it in the power of the Spirit? Now, notice that verse. It says, the Spirit, those who are led by the Spirit. Let me say to you, and I hope I'll say it several times in this lesson, The Spirit is always leading. The question is, are we what? Following. The Spirit is all, I mean, you know, the Spirit isn't up there looking at at you and saying, nah, maybe I'll lead them today, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll let them struggle a little bit and then I'll come alongside. No, the Spirit is always leading. The question is, are we following? So, Even from the moment you woke up this morning until you came and and you're sitting right here, the Spirit was leading. Now, let me ask you a convicting question. Were you consciously seeking the Spirit's leading from the moment you got up to the moment you are sitting here? Or did you just go through the motions? do, Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, really consciously saying, okay, the Spirit is leading. Now, you don't say, Lord, uh, the Spirit is leading. Are you leading me to go to church or not? Well, of course he's leading you to go to church. It's a consciousness. Am I dependent on him? So, you'll never overcome that stubborn sin habit. Number two, you'll never become more like Christ. You'll never become more like Christ. Look at Ephesians. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians 3.16. You'll never become more like Christ. We're going to look at Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. In a sense, you need to put your Holy Spirit glasses on when you read the Bible. The the Spirit is everywhere, but we tend to just kind of gloss over it. Look at Ephesians 3, 16. Notice what he says. That he would grant you, God the Father, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through who? Through who? Through the Holy Spirit in where? The inner man. The strengthening of the Spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, he's talking to the Ephesian church. So he's talking to people that are already saved. So when he says Christ may dwell in your hearts, he means that you may become more aware of who he is and become more like him through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in the love, the love of Christ, may may be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know, and that means immeasurable. 
God's love is beyond measure. And yet the Spirit enables us to understand it and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. What that means is you can't reason your way into Christ's likeness. God has to reveal it to you, and He does it through the Holy Spirit. But you're not going to understand what the Spirit is revealing to you unless you are walking with Him. And notice the result of all this. Verse 19, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So there's so much more for you as a believer this morning. And yet, you will never experience it apart from the Holy Spirit active in your life. We won't turn there, but Galatians 5.22 gives us Christ-likeness. What is Christ-likeness? The fruit of the Spirit is, can you, do you know? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and then I struggle, patience, kindness, patience or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. What he's saying is you don't need a set of rules to constrain you when you're living with the Spirit because you're going to positively, proactively be Christ-like and Christ fulfills the law of God. That's just amazing. That's amazing. So, here's the third thing. You will never please God by doing what He requires apart from the Holy Spirit. You'll never please God by doing what He requires. Let's turn to Romans 8. And uh, we'll look at this passage again here in a moment, but let's read it. The, read it. Romans 8, verse 1. <clears throat> and I, I just... You know, these are the passages you need to renew yourself with. I was talking to a a young person dealing with anxiety. And listen, let let me just say this. I I, I don't know. I I, I hope you all are being blessed by this. I'm being blessed. I need this, right? I need it in my own life. But we need it in how we counsel and exhort one another. So I'm talking to this young man, dealing with anxiety, and I'm thinking, well, you need to renew your mind. Are you renewing your mind? Well, actually, I'm not. And then I took the the idea. I said, well, whatever you're anxious about, if I tell you to stop thinking about the number seven, and we went through that whole exercise, stop thinking about the number seven. Of course, he laughed. I said, what are you thinking of? Number seven. And then I said, well, okay, take, uh, you know, uh, 100, divide by 2, times by 3. Now what are you thinking of? And I think if I said the equation right, the answer is supposed to be 150. He said, 150! And he can do math really good. I said, exactly. So when you get anxious, if you keep going over the anxiety, so what we do, I'm anxious. Oh, I'm anxious. What am I anxious about? Oh, I'm anxious about that. Now I'm more anxious about that. But I wish I wasn't anxious about that. I don't want to be anxious about that. Oh, I'm getting more anxious. I'm getting more round up. Now I'm getting fearful. Now I'm getting sad and depressed. And and, and you're going down that path. You, You need a plan for renewal. 
Okay? Well, these are the kind of passages we need to be renewing ourselves with, right? So look at Romans 8, uh, chapter 1, Romans 8, chapter 1, and notice what it says. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No reckon yield. You are dead to cry, you're dead to sin, alive to God in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life, I like that. Here's the law that we follow. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh. So see, God's law is good. Do this. My flesh is weak. I can't do that. And the more I try to do it, the more I rebel against it. God did. What we couldn't do, God did. How did he do it? Sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Sinless, but human. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So we, we are not under law because we fulfill the law through the Spirit. But those who are according to, or I'm sorry, verse 5, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Do you see how renewal is a part? What do you set your mind on? What do you set your mind on? The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh, hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. For it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh, and that's we read all that to get to this, those who are in the flesh, what? Can not please God. But notice, notice what verse 9 says. However, you are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. Now, that's not something you do. That's something God has already done. So when you accept Christ, you go from being in the flesh... To being in the Spirit. I am in the Spirit. Therefore, I am led by the Spirit. Therefore, I can walk in the Spirit. Notice what he says. You are not in the flesh, in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong belong to him. Now, what's he? There's only two kinds of people in this room this morning. You're either in the flesh, in Adam, or you are in the Spirit, in Christ. And if you are in the flesh, in Adam, you are condemned under God's wrath because you cannot please Him. And even the best day of your life was tainted with your sin. But if you are in the Spirit, you can please God. And though we are still sinners and whatever we do is still tainted with that sin, we are in Christ. And that which we do is acceptable because it's enabled by the power 
and the presence of the Spirit. Wow. I need that. I don't know about you, but I need that constant reminder. Now, how does the Holy Spirit help us? Here's the second thing I want you to see. He's our helper. How does he help us? The Holy Spirit uses God's word to help change our lives. If there's one thing, uh, one verse that captures this, it's Ephesians 6.17 that says this. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? How does the Spirit do its work? The sword of the Spirit is what? The Word of God. Spirit and Word. Uh, Turn your Bibles to Ezekiel. Uh, Just finished reading through the Old Testament. And let me tell you, the major and minor prophets, I love them. And I've grown to love them more. But when you read them back to back, it's quite an adventure. I'm looking forward to the new covenant. Okay, I'm looking forward to the new covenant. So, Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, 26. Notice what it says. It says this. Moreover, this is the promise of the new covenant. But I want you to see the partnership between God's spirit and God's word. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put in you a new spirit. So, the spirit... Gives you a new heart. Without the Spirit, you don't have a new heart. If you have a new heart, you have the Spirit. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. The heart that is hard and unbelieving, rebelling against God. And I will give you a heart of flesh, tender, responsive, receptive. I will put my Spirit within you. But notice what the Spirit does. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. In other words, the Spirit enables us to obey the Word of God from our heart. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. And they will be my people and I will be their God. Look, you don't get into the kingdom without living and obeying God's word. Yeah, but I can't. You're right. But the Holy Spirit does it through you. So this idea that I can live any way I want, I've I've made a mental profession or a mental decision to accept Christ, but I can live any way I want and still claim entrance to the kingdom. No, no, no. No, no, no. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit's in you. And if the Holy Spirit's in you, he is enabling you to walk in a way that kingdom people walk. They will be my people. I will be their God. So here's God's equation for changing lives. Word plus spirit equals life. Word plus spirit equals life. In the beginning, God created and the spirit hovered over the darkness and the chaos. And God spoke the word. Word and spirit created the old creation. Guess what? The Word in Spirit creates you as a new man, a new woman. How do I do this? That's the second question. The second question is, 
How do I keep in step with the Spirit? And here's the simple answer. Renewing plus filling equals walking in the Spirit. Renewing plus filling equals walking in the Spirit. Now, if you're paying attention, last week, what was the lesson? Renewing and replacing. Well, when you renew and are filled with the Spirit... You're walking in the Spirit, and you are replacing the old man with the new man. So, put last week's lesson together with this week. Renewing and filling equals replacing, equals walking in the Spirit. So, how do you do it? Number one, renew your mind with the Word of God. You've got to renew your mind with the Word of God. Now, I want to show you, so get, get in your Bibles. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. All right, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. So hold your finger there. Uh, if you're on a digital, this is why you need sometimes, a, 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 a lot of times, a physical Bible. So keep your finger there. Maybe you know how to do this beyond me. Uh, and then go to Ephesians 5. So hold your finger in Colossians 3 and then be in Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. Okay? And we're going to flip back and forth. So look at Colossians 3 and look at verse 16. Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. Then what is the result of that? With all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, to God the Father. That's the fruit. Of letting the word of God dwell in you richly. Now, turn back to Ephesians 5, verse 18. Look at Ephesians 5, 18. It says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. That word means it, it, you're just it, it's wastefulness. It's it just you're throwing your life away. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, what's the result of being filled with the Spirit? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, go back to Colossians 3.16 and then flip back to Ephesians 5.18. What do you see in that? The same results, but what is the command differs. Same results, but the command differs. What's the command in 3.18? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What is the command in Ephesians 5? Be filled with the Spirit. And yet the results in uh, the results are the same. So what is it telling us? It's telling us that to be filled with the Spirit, you've got to renew your mind with the Word of God. The Spirit uses the Word of God to change your lives. So here's some 
practical implications of what I took the time to show you. First implication is this. The Spirit will never lead you to do anything contrary to the Word of God. The Spirit will never lead you to do anything contrary to the Word of God. Why? Because He uses the Word of God to lead you. Number two, the Spirit will always lead you to do everything consistent with the Word of God. Oh, man. Pastors would be, uh, you know, if I could tell you every story I've heard from pastor who's had couples or individuals sit in their office saying, God's led me to divorce my wife uh, and, and marry this woman. You know, God's led me into this adultery. The Spirit has led me. Well, no, that's not the Spirit because the Spirit leads according to what? The Word of God. I think the Spirit is, uh, you know, leading me to, to have this rotten attitude. You know, I think, you know, they're the bad people. I'm, I'm, I, I've got, you know, I, I have a right to be bitter. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. Number three, the Spirit convicts and changes with the Word of God. And that's true whether you know it or not. You're like, the Spirit is always applying the Word of God, even if you know so little of the Word of God, you don't know He's using it. Does that make sense? So if you think the Spirit is leading you to do something or not do something, check the Word of God. If it's consistent with the Word of God, well, then maybe that is what He's doing. Number four, there is no filling of the Spirit or walking of the Spirit without the Word of God. You have to be renewing your mind. And then number five, a spiritual person is one who is in right relationship with both God's Word and God's Spirit. So... Whole denominations get this misbalance, right? There, and we can think of it. There's denominations that are all spirit, spirit, spirit. And the Word of God is diminished. And it's all spirit. And even when the, when the, and even when the Word is preached, it's more spirit, you know, just coming up with this, coming up with that, and, and the Bible's not opened, and it's not rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And yet there's other denominations that are totally Word-oriented, and we forget that knowledge pups up unless it's being applied to our hearts. But who applies it to our hearts? The Holy Spirit. So obviously, you know, churches like ours, we're always going to be a little heavy on the Word, and we need to have these lessons and these passages to remind us of the Spirit. It's both and. But let me say this. The Spirit seeks to exalt Christ, the living Word, who has revealed the written Word. The Spirit is always leading us into the Word to obey it, to apply it. So it isn't like, you know, today's Spirit Day, next Sunday is going to be Word Day, and then next Sunday is going to be Spirit Day. No, Spirit Day is Word Day. But it's applying the Word to our lives. So renew your mind. How does the Spirit help us? 
you got to renew your mind with the Word of God. Number two, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now that we've just seen in Ephesians 5.18. Do not be drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, this is waste, but be filled with the Spirit. So what does that mean? Well, it means being filled does not mean you getting more of the Spirit. It's the Spirit, read it with me, what? Getting more of you. So when you think of filled, you think of this water bottle being empty and pouring something in it. And so be filled with the Spirit. Well, I need to get more of the Spirit. I didn't get it. No, 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 no. We already read in Romans that if you are born again, you can only be born again if you have the Spirit. So being filled is not getting more of the Spirit. It's the Spirit getting more of you. You're not a container. And the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal impersonal liquid being poured into your life. You're a person. And the Holy Spirit is a person. Being filled is simply choosing to allow the Spirit to control and influence your lives. So notice, the filling of the Spirit is the controlling influence of the Spirit when he or she chooses to surrender to the constant influence of the Spirit. The Spirit is constantly trying to influence you and you submit and allow that influence to control you. Notice the in Ephesians 5.18, there's a contrast between being drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit. I think this is so amazing. There's a reason why in the world alcohol is called spirits. I did a study once of alcohol through the Bible, and it's amazing how much alcohol is linked to demonic influence, drunkenness, okay? And so basically, what do you call a DUI? What DUI mean? Driving under the influence of the spirits, the spirits of alcohol. Driving under the influence. It's controlling you. Well, he's saying, don't be controlled by the foolishness of drunkenness. Be controlled. Drive, live under the influence of who? The Holy Spirit. Let him. Now, when you're drunk and under the influence, you do silly things that you wouldn't normally do. Ungodly things. You say things, you do things, all sorts of things. Well, when you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you also do unusual things. But instead of ungodly, they're godly. There's not what you would normally do. Instead of being me in the flesh, it's me under the influence of the Spirit. So that's what being filled is. Holy Spirit, influence, control my life today. Thirdly, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the the Spirit. Galatians 5. Turn to Galatians 5. Galatians 5, 24 through 25. So renew your mind with the Word of God. Allow the Word of God to help you be filled, influenced, controlled by the Holy Spirit, and then walk in the Spirit. Look at Galatians 5, 24 through 25. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus... Okay, your salvation is secure. Have crucified the flesh, past tense, with its passions. There's the no reckon yield. If we live by the Spirit, 
meaning you're born again, let us also do what? Walk by the Spirit. So if the Spirit is your life, then walk in Him. Okay? Say, Chris, how do I do this? Number one, trust what God's Word says about the Holy Spirit being inside you, and you already have all that you ever need to be godly. Okay. I've got all, all, I'm dead to sin, alive to God, and the Holy Spirit is my helper. Renew your mind with that. Trust, trust, trust. That's number one. Number one is that. Number two. And basically, that's know and reckoning, isn't it? Know and reckon that. Number two, submit. Submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life as you renew your mind with the Word of God daily. There's the yield. No reckon yield. That, the principles are always the same. So, start your day in the Word of God, claiming promises, principles, praising God, and then say, Lord, use this Word to guide, and I'm, I'm submitting to the Holy Spirit during the day. I'm going to submit to the Holy Spirit today. Lead me, because I know you're always leading I want to follow. Number three, remember, it's the Word of God, not your experiences, that equips you to understand and follow the Holy Spirit. So what do I mean by that? You don't have to speak in tongues. You don't have to have a warm feeling in your belly. That could be last night's pizza. We don't know. You don't need a special experience. Did you like that? Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Thank you, Emily. Yeah, yeah. So you have. You don't need an added experience because that's what every that's what every cult and and every false doctrine says. You need. You, oh, have you prayed this way? Have you prayed this way? I've got a special way. Come and pray with me, Cody. I mean, it's, all, it's like that. And, you, and listen, if you're struggling to kill sin and someone says that, you're desperate. I've tried everything. Maybe I need to pray with this guy. Oh, ha- have, you, have, you had, have you had a special prayer language that draws me closer? And I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not ridiculing. The, okay, whatever. But according to the scripture, I've got all I need. I've got what I need. Now... I got a lot of mm, good, you know, I, got, I like response. I like that. So it, apparently we all know I have all we need. Now here's the more, let's see if we're as agreeable. Are you living a spirit-filled life? A little quieter. Okay? Because it's always easier to look at, oh, those people are messed up. They think they need more of the spirit. I've got all the spirit. Grumble, gripe, complain, lazy, apathetic, dusty Bible, inconsistent church attendance, not really serving God. But I've got all the Spirit. See, that's that's for all of us. And don't think, oh, I'll become a pastor and then it'll all be easy. No, it makes it even harder. (laughs) Okay. So... Here it is, number four. Depend on His strength. Oh, man, I I lost my time. Depend on His strength, comfort, and encouragement. Prayer in the Spirit. Praying is essential to this process. 
throughout the day, praying without ceasing. And then number five, expect victory and anticipate fruit. Okay? And so the last point is this. But Chris, I still sin. Yes, we do. Keep in step even when you get out of step. Keep in step even when you get out of step. We don't have time to read these verses, but these points are good. Notice what it says. Don't grieve the Spirit by remaining. So the Bible says don't grieve the Spirit and don't quench the Spirit. We grieve Him by taking our body into sin and He's in us and He's like, I'm holy. And what, we, what you're doing and I'm with you in it is unholy. I am grieved. Quenching the Spirit is refusing when He says, talk to that person about Christ. And we think, oh, what would they think? Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow. Oops, we just quenched. Clear direction, clear direction of the Word of God, and we quench. Are you with me? And so what do we do? Lord, I don't want to quench you. I will do. I will say. I will be. Lord, I don't want to grieve you. I will forsake. I will repent. So what you have in your notes is killing sin starts now. Okay, we're, we're kind of wrapping this series up. I mean, like, there's no more teaching. There, I mean, there is more. We're going to have a couple more weeks, but, but at least one. Uh, but look at the application there. Look at the application in your notes. And let me encourage you. Do something. Walk. He's leading. Be led by the Spirit. Amen? Good stuff. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and the gift of your spirit, the Holy One. And Lord, these are doctrines many of us know, but we need encouragement. We need the helper to live it out. I pray, Lord, that we'll take the application and get alone with you and start killing sin by keeping in step. With the Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.